This is LAC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. You know, there's only so many different ways that you can tell the Christmas story. And several months ago when I began to think about today, I just began to think about the fact that it's the greatest story that has ever been told. The greatest story of all the stories in history. The greatest story is that the Savior of the world came to earth and was born. And so I wanted to take just a moment of time today here before we do other things with music and worship and the children to remind us of the greatest story that's ever been told. There are so many different kinds of pieces that go with uh, the story of Christmas. And when you think about them, and, and I have been for some time just thinking about all of the different pieces of the Christmas story. And depending on which chapter in the Gospels you read or which dramatic presentations you've watched or seen or movies or whatever it is, Christmas means different things to different people. I thought uh, uh, recently about uh, the grandchildren that we have. We have eight grandchildren. And they range in ages from 16 to 4. And so they're, they're all in a whole different world. The 16-year-old, uh, he's pretty, pretty well told all of us he don't need anything but gas cards. That's what he wants for Christmas because he came to his father the other day after he, he's had his license a few weeks and he said to his dad, he said, I think there's something wrong with my car. He said, what is it, son? He said, well, I just, I mean, I fill it up at the first of the week in a few days. It's empty and I, I think maybe my gas tank is leaking. No, son, you're just driving a lot, what it is, and gas cost. So he put it out to us that he wanted gas cards. The, the other children, the younger children, they write letters to us, and they send us lists. And on the screen, I've got a couple of them I wanted to show you. This is Tucker. He's uh, 12, 11. He's 11 this year. His, his Christmas list was very interesting when I looked at it. Uh, if you, he's got it numbered, and you might not be able to see it, but number five says he wants $1,000 that is real, R-E-L-L. So we're still working on the spelling for our 10-year-old. Number 20 says he wants a kid's grill that is real. Why he needs a kid's grill, I have no idea. 24 says he wants a kitchen table. 22 suggests that he would like for us to buy him... Ten packs of flowers. I have no idea. Next, next slide. This is our granddaughter, Kinley. She's nine. And the interesting thing about Kinley, if you can see from the list, she subdivided the list. So Nina Shell has her part. Grandma, has, Cindy has the other part. And then her parents on the list. And number ten, Nina Shelley is, is suggested to consider buying for her fake flowers. On her list. And then number 13 I thought was interesting. She wants hairspray. Which reminded me that DJ Douglas's daughter, who's just what, three or four? 
She told me last Sunday she's begging her daddy for makeup. So, you know, it's just one of those things that uh, you just have to work with with children. Children have a very unique way of looking through the lens uh, of a Christmas season. But the real story, and then, you know, we, we do a lot of things with Christmas. You know, we bake goods during this season. You know, there are some traditional baked goods. And, and several of you in the church have reputations for things. For example, if you've never had a Masaccio no-bake cookie, you just haven't had Christmas yet. It's just, it sets off the season, those no-bakes that those girls can bake. And then Dan Morrison with all of his... Uh, uh, baking and cooking and the different ones who bring. I, I had uh, people drop cookies off this morning and candies. And, and it's just that one of the things that we do in the season. In addition to that, we, we have family gatherings. And it may be different this year for most of us. We, we may not be able to have the same seasons that we've had in the past. But traditionally, we like to get together for family gatherings and meals and occasions. And all of that comes out of one singular story that is in fact the greatest story that has ever been told. So I want us to read it. I want you to stand with me please for the reading of God's word. We're going to read the traditional Christmas story. And because of the way that I was raised, I want to, I'm going to put it up on the screen in the King James I don't often read and teach out of the King James Version, but it's the one that I remember. It's the one that I most emotionally connect to when it comes time for Christmas because at the house where I grew up, every Christmas morning we read this story. In the early hours of the morning when we got up, the first thing we did was Dad would read the Christmas story. And he read this particular version. And whenever I read it, it always takes me back to those memories and I want you to read it with me out loud but you should be able to see it on the screen if you don't have a Bible in front of you there's 14 verses from verse 1 to 14 I want us to read it out loud I'll get us started and then I'm going to drop back and let you read back to me what you see on the screen or in your Bible so let's go verse 1 and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was. And the angel said to them, 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Father, thank you for what you're about to do in this room this morning. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God will quicken us and empower us and awaken us. What Pastor Dustin challenged us last week, God, to be awakened. And Lord, I pray that our spirits will be awakened today. And that you will accomplish everything that you have ordained. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, amen. Look at somebody, kind of give them that air fist pump kind of thing. And then you can be seated. It was interesting to me to discover that the world has been celebrating Christmas since the year 336 A.D. That's when the Roman Emperor Constantine, who was a believer, declared Christmas as a holiday throughout the Roman Empire. Now, the date of December 25th was not chosen because it was the date when Jesus was born. Because, in fact, we don't actually know the date when Jesus was born. But research indicates that winter was chosen because of its convenience to commerce and agriculture. So when we celebrate it is not nearly as important as why we celebrate Christmas. Now to put in context the importance of Jesus being born, remember that it had been 400 years since there had been a fresh revelation of God to his people. 400 years of no prophets, no visions, no revelation. And it must have felt like to the people that God was gone. No longer engaged, no longer connected, no longer speaking to his people. The prophecies and promises of a coming Messiah which had been passed down by custom from generation to generation. But those generations had died without the occurrence of the Messiah's coming. And then suddenly it burst on the scene in a quiet Bethlehem night. A manger, in a manger with perhaps plenty of animals. The hope of the whole world was born. So unexpectedly, in such an unusual way, the announcement of the angels told us everything that we need to know about this story. A Savior is born, which is Christ the Lord. Now it may have been that in that particular season, we would have expected that the King of the Jews, the, the King of the world, the King of kings and Lord of lords would have been born in such grandeur and royalty. But he was born in a common stable to a small contingent of people. He came in obscurity but changed the course of history. And it is in fact the greatest story that's ever been told. And so for my time this morning, I want to take just a quick cursory look at the elements of the Christmas story and then see where it takes us at the end. Let's start with the trip to Bethlehem. The Bible tells us in this story that Mary and Joseph traveled from Jerusalem, from, from Nazareth, which was their hometown, to Bethlehem. 
It was a trip of about 90 miles that perhaps took as many as four to seven days. And no, they didn't ride in a golf cart. They either walked or traveled on a beast of burden. It would not have been an easy journey in any circumstance, but to be nine months pregnant and to take that kind of journey, it was a very torturous journey. And you might wonder, why Bethlehem? Why did they have to go there? Why could the baby not have been born in Nazareth, where, Nazareth, where they already lived? But you have to remember that 700 years before, the prophet Micah had said, Oh, Bethlehem, Ephraim, you are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. So in the final months of her pregnancy, the decision to return to Bethlehem positions this couple in the exact place where God had ordained and promised that they would be. Let's meet the innkeeper who turned the couple away. His name is not even mentioned in the Bible, but his role is repeated in every pageant and every play that you will ever see about the birth of Christ. And I've thought about him some, and I'm wondering if perhaps his role would have been changed had he known. Had he known who was knocking on his door that day, had he known what was taking place, would his role have been differently? I love the story of Wally, the little boy whose part in the Christmas program was as the innkeeper. He had one line, I'm sorry, we have no room for you. You will have to go elsewhere. So when the time came and the young actors who played Mary and Joseph approached, he performed his line flawlessly. But as they began to leave, tears filled Wally's little eyes and he shouted out to them as he chased them down saying, Wait, come back. You can have my room. I'm confident that the innkeeper would have played it differently had he known. But you know, there are still innkeepers in the world today like King Herod of the story and what a piece of work he was. He murdered every baby two years and younger throughout the region in his attempt to kill the baby Jesus. And those innkeepers in our world are still out there seeking to remove the Christ of the Christmas and any reference to his birth from the public square, but they just cannot erase the greatest story that has ever been told. The Savior of the world has been born, and no court order that removes a nativity scene from the public park can change the fact that Jesus is born. I do have one question for those who want to take Jesus out of Christmas. What in the world are you celebrating? Let's look at the shepherds in the fields. These are my favorites. These shepherds in the field were the blue collar guys. The hard working nine to fives. Pulling the night shift. Watching the flocks of sheep that belonged to somebody else. Same grind every night. Until the angels show up unexpectedly that night. And the lights filled the sky. And angels began to sing. I don't blame them for being afraid. It would have freaked me out as well. Unexpectedly, these angels began to tell them 
the announcement that Jesus was born, the instructions to go and find the baby, and then there was singing in the clouds. These men decided this was something so extraordinary that they had to go and find it, and they were thankful to be invited to witness the history. But the story also includes three wise men. The Magi. You read about them in Matthew's gospel. They discovered a star. And they followed it until they came to the place where the baby was and they worshipped him. Now I, you probably don't have thoughts like this, but I've wondered this week. Would the story have been different had it been three wise women? Instead of three wise men. If it were so that there were three wise women, then we could all carefully assume that the gifts would have been different, wouldn't they? There wouldn't have been no frankincense and myrrh. Instead, it's more likely they would have brought diapers and formula, a couple of outfits and a few blankets, and of course women would have brought shoes and a gift bag for the mother would have finished it up. What stands out is that the wise men had captured a moment. The star had caught their attention. They had a sense of history. And they said to King Herod, we have come from the east in order that we may worship him. They decided they wanted to be a part of what they could not explain. They were hungry to experience something that was bigger than themselves. Which leads me to Mary and Joseph. The young parents who had a front row seat to the entire experience. Now each in their own way heard the angel announce the plans. Mary was told that she would have an immaculate conception and would carry a child in the same way that women throughout all of history had carried children in their, ba in their body until they're ready to be born. Joseph heard the angel instruct him that he was to care and support Mary throughout the pregnancy even though he didn't understand all the elements that were taking place. I'm confident like all parents, they would have wondered what life was going to be like and how it was going to be. But mostly, Mary and Joseph point us to the power of obedience and surrender. That when we come to places where God calls us to trust in Him and to surrender ourselves to plans that are bigger than ourselves. And that, my brothers and sisters, is what Christmas really is. It's a God plan that was bigger than you and me. It was God's redemptive plan to save the world. Once sin came into the garden, once sin entered into the earth, there had to be some counteraction to sin and its influence on the world or else all of humanity would have been eternally lost. And God decided that there would be a plan that would be bigger than you and me. And I know that sometimes it's hard for you and I to, to grasp this. But, but I hope that you can see what I'm trying to say. Think about all the people that have lived before this moment. All of the people that have lived in the thousands of years before this moment. 
And Jesus came to the earth in order that they might be saved. All the people, 7 billion plus who live on the earth now. All 7 billion plus. And Jesus came to the earth to save every one of them. And every person that will live beyond us. Until Jesus comes, if his, if his coming is delayed, every person that will live on the face of the earth until the end of time, Jesus came at Christmas to save all of those people. That's why it's a God plan that's bigger than you and me. That God's plan was to save the whole world. It's not exclusive to me. It's not exclusive to you. It is God's plan to save the whole world. Because in reality, Christmas divides the world into two kinds of people. Regardless of the color of your skin, regardless of where you live in the earth, regardless of what your economic makeup is, you are divided into one of two categories on the face of the earth. And there's only two. Those that seek Him and those that don't. You either are a seeker of Jesus or you are not. I think we could say that the shepherds and the wise men and Mary and Joseph, they were seekers. The innkeeper, King Herod, they were not. You know, we love to quote the verse. In fact, Tracy quoted the verse in part this morning during her discourse. We love the verse in Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you future and a hope. But it goes deeper. Listen to what he says. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek for me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. You either are seeking Him or you are not seeking Him. There was a young missionary couple that lived in a Muslim country. And I was privileged to hear their testimony some time ago with others. And they told the story that they were conducting a Bible study in their home for young girls and on a particular day, one of the young Muslim girls, this Bible study had Muslim girls, Jewish girls, Christian girls. And at the conclusion of the Bible study, when it was over, one of the Muslim girls lingered back and she said to the missionary, she said, I need to ask you a question. She said, I look around the room and I realize that the Jewish girls, when they choose and accept Jesus, when they accept Him, their parents are glad. Their parents may have questions, but they're glad that their daughter has faith. The Christian girls, when they accept Jesus, I'm sure their parents are ecstatic. But for me, 
If I choose Jesus, my family will disown me. They will go down to the court records and they will remove my birth certificate from the file. It will be as if I have never lived. They will not allow me to have any interaction with our family ever again if I choose Jesus. So I need to ask you this question. Is Jesus worth it? Is Jesus worth all of that? And for those of us that have lived in a Western culture like America, known the freedoms of religion our whole lifetime, it's very difficult for us to understand that there are people in this world who have made life and death decisions about Jesus, who have chosen Him because they truly and genuinely believe that He was worth it. And that's the question for you this morning. This Christmas, is Jesus worth it to you? Clearly, God believed that you and I were worth it. Because John chapter 3 verse 16 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his only son. So that anyone who believes in him will not perish. But have everlasting life. And that, my brothers and sisters, that's the Christmas story right there. It's not a baby in a manger. It's a Savior on a cross. It's not shepherds in a field. It's actually men and women being transformed by the cross. The greatest story that's ever been told is not necessarily the story of a baby who came in the manger. But the greatest story that's ever been told is that God loved me and saved me. When I could not save myself, when I could not rescue myself, there was a God who loved me that much. And He loves you that much. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.